words in that song with Judy just a minute ago. And uh, if I knew it a little, if I could remember it just a little bit better, I would have done it a cappella for you this morning. But oh, what singing, oh, what shouting on that happy morning when we all shall rise. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I can't wait for that day. We just got done talking about, you know, when we talk about, and I will rise on eagle's wings, you know that's happening is at the rapture, don't you? That's the second resurrection. And so um, that is the resurrection we are guaranteed because Jesus rose from the dead. And now it's going to be such a happy day when we're all caught up into the air with Jesus. Amen. Um, first, those who are dead in Christ shall rise and meet us, and then we will go together into the air and meet Jesus up in the clouds, and it's going to be such a wonderful, wonderful time there. This morning, I want to talk about the price of your salvation, the price of your salvation. Uh, our salvation comes with a huge price, a huge price tag, and it wasn't paid by you. You don't have to pay the price for your salvation. Jesus took care of all that. Can you say amen to that? Jesus took care of the price of your salvation. Hallelujah. And so glory to God. I am so grateful for that. John 14, and we're going to be looking at John 14, um, 5 and 6, and then we'll take a little side note over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But John 14 we uh, find here that Thomas, oh, let's pray first. Lord, I just thank you for this message today. Lord, I thank you that it will encourage our hearts to be reminded about what you have done for us, Jesus, how you paid the price for our salvation, and how, Lord, you care for us so much. Oh, Lord, you loved us so much that while we were yet your enemy, while we were yet sinners, you died for us on the cross. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that eternal life is ours. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that we can share this good news with our friends and our family members who do not know you. For Lord, we all want to see everybody come to know you, Jesus, because, Lord, you said we must be born again. And so, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And I thank you for your anointing that's in this place this morning. In Jesus' precious name and all God's children said, amen. amen and amen. Thomas asks a good question. Thomas asks a good question here in um, John 14 and verse 6. And let's look at that. Um, Jesus, um, no, I'm sorry, verse 5. Verse 5, I made a typo there in my notes. Verse 5, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we do not know where you go. Isn't that interesting? He's been with Jesus for a, year, a couple of years now, and Thomas looks at Jesus and says, Lord, we don't know where you go. This presents this disciple's striving after truth and reality through intellectualism and not faith. Instead of having faith, he's trying to do it through... How many of us have head knowledge about stuff, but we really don't have heart knowledge about stuff? 
A lot of people have head knowledge about Jesus, but they've never moved Jesus from their heads to their heart, and they don't have a heart knowledge about what it means to be saved, what it means to believe. They go through a lot of, uh, of religious ritual, thinking that the religious ritual is what gets them saved. But the truth is, it's only through a heart knowledge, having Jesus living in your heart, um, that causes us to be saved. And, and, and Thomas says, um, we know not where you go. Now, after all this time, you think he would. And then he goes on to say, and how can we know the way? Well, the good news is Christ will answer immediately. Jesus will give an immediate answer to Thomas's inquiry. And, and here is what you, and, and you know, um, the good news, the good news is that the Bible teaches us how to be saved. The Bible teaches us how we can be saved. And the good news is that God didn't make it a secret. And the good news is that God didn't make it overcomplicated. Come on. Can you say amen to that? We are shown the way, and that is by believing in Jesus as our Savior. You know, we got some groups in town here that make it very hard to get saved. Oh, I mean, I'm my, my word. We got one group that says, you are saved through your good works. You must do all these good works. You must keep all these days of the year. You must do this. You must do that. And it's all works, works, works. Well, then we have another group that says, you must go ahead. And when you get to a certain age, you must go ahead and knock on so many doors. And we're going to send you to a community and you've got to knock on so many doors and talk to so many people about our religion. And you've got to raise this much money in order to do, go and do this trip and do this thing. Then we got another group that they do a lot of good works and then they have all this other stuff that makes it complicated and takes more faith to believe in the stuff that they're telling you. I mean, this is all these things. And, 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 and it's just, a, and it's like, wait a second. Jesus said, it is so easy it is so easy to become a Christian. And I don't make it difficult. I don't keep it a big secret. I don't make you jump through hoops. I don't make you go ahead and, and, and make you do a bunch of... It, we just read a verse this morning. We are not saved. We are saved by faith, not by works. We are saved by faith through grace, not by works. Last... Any one of us, any man, could boast. If we're doing it, if we're getting to heaven by good works, my word, we can get to heaven just boasting ourselves. Look at what I did. Look at how much good works I did. No, Jesus did the work for us at the cross. Jesus did the, all the work to get us saved. All we have to do is put our faith in him. And let me show you a very controversial answer Jesus has. It never used to be controversial, but today it's a controversial answer. Verse 6. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> now this proclaims in no uncertain terms exactly who and what Jesus is. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And here comes the controversial part of it. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl comes unto the Father but by me. He declares positively 
that this idea of God as Father, this approach to God for every man is through Jesus, through himself, through what, through what he is and what he has done. There is no other way to get to heaven except by Jesus. This idea, this is why it's controversial, because today we have the media, we have the Pope saying there are many ways to heaven. And that's wrong. I guess the Pope forgot to read his Bible that morning. And I'm not picking on his, the Holy Father. He's going he's gonna to have to stand before Jesus just like me and answer for the things that come out of his mouth. And he knows it. Okay? He knows it. Because he, know, he knows what the Bible says. But there's only one way. And a lot of the bishops have been upset about him saying there's many ways. Well, let me tell you, there's, there's a lot of bishops that are not happy in the Catholic Church that he's saying these things. You cannot get to heaven through Islam. You cannot get to heaven through Hinduism. You cannot get to heaven through Confucianism. You just can't. You cannot, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's what makes this answer so controversial. Let me tell you something. The world might not like this answer, but, <laughs> but the fact is, is the fact. Only by believing in Jesus can, in Jesus Christ, can you receive eternal life. All right, let me just, let, let's make it very logical here. Let's bring it down to a task. All right, you come to this earth, as you're God, you take off your, you take off your glory, you fold it up, you lay it on the throne next to God the Father, you leave it there, you come to this earth and you come as a baby. Alright? Here you are, you're God, the creator of the universe. Alright? Because Colossians tells us that Jesus, everything was created through, by Jesus. Alright? He comes down here to dwell with us. That's what Emmanuel means, to, to, to God with us. And he comes down here and he, as a baby and he grows up as one of us. He falls down, he skins his knees, he stubs his toes, he, has, he goes through us. He has to go to school just like we went to school, right? He gets older, he learns a trade, he becomes a carpenter. He goes to work at Joseph's, it becomes Joseph and Son's carpentry shop. All right? And so he, he learns to be a carpenter. He helps out with the family job. And he gets to a certain... Now he comes to... Joseph dies and he has to assume responsibilities in the, fa in the family that no oldest boy should have to assume because it's his dad's job, but he has to take over for his dad. And then he comes to 30 years old and he starts his public ministry. Now he goes around healing everybody and touching all their lives, giving them hope, Telling him the way, the good news of the way, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He goes through all this, and at age 33, they come and arrest him, and he goes to the cross so that we can be saved. Now, you've gone through a lot of trouble, haven't you? Well, haven't you? 
I mean, 33 years on this earth, being one of us, not choosing, you know, he's God. I mean, really, I mean, he didn't have to do any of this. The Bible says he could have called 10,000 angels when they nailed him to the cross and they would have rescued him and he wouldn't have had to go through it all. But then we wouldn't get saved. And so he becomes the sacrifice and he takes on our punishment, our sin, our sickness and our disease upon himself on that cross, and he dies there, an innocent man, not guilty of anything, and he dies for you and me. Now, that seems to be a lot of trouble, doesn't it? That sounds like going through a lot of trouble for you and me. And yet Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but but by me. Now, if you went through all that, of course the third day he rose again. I mean, death could not keep him in the ground, right? It couldn't hold him back. I mean, he he defeated Satan, sin, and death at the cross. And by the way, it was a finished work. And Jesus went through all of this and he rises again. Now, you're going to tell God that we have a different way of getting to heaven? You're going to tell God that we have a different way of approaching you? After your son went through all this trouble for us, we're going to do it by another way. You know, Jesus taught in the book of John, he talked about, there are some, there's, I am the door. And he talks about being the door. And he's the door of the sheepfold. And you can only get in by him, by, by the door. You can only come in by the door. He says, but in the future, there's going to be people who try to sneak over the walls. They're going to sneak over the walls thinking that they're part of the flock and by sneaking over the walls. But that's not how it works. You must come through the door. And what's happening is here by saying that there's many ways to get to heaven, those are the people sneaking over the walls instead of coming by the door. They're going to find that they're not saved. There's a sad verse in the Bible. But Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. And Jesus is going to look at them at the great white throne judgment and say, I've never known you. Depart from me. I didn't know you. Who are you? You. Of course he's going to know that their name is Bob and Sally. But I didn't know you intimately. You didn't ask me into your heart. And that is one of the most sad verses in the... It's always been sad to me in the scripture when Jesus made a way so easy and all you have to do is ask him into your heart. So easy it doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are. You ask Jesus into your heart. That's all that matters. Because this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 3. I'm actually going to run over there. I got it in my notes, but I'm going to run over there and then run back. You all, most of you know this verse. You've memorized this verse as kids. If you were in a church that made you memorize. I shouldn't assume everybody memorized this verse, but you'll recognize when I read it. And Jesus answered him and answered and said unto him. Now, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. Now the term born again means that the man has already had a natural birth. 
but now must have a spiritual birth, which comes by faith in Christ and what he has done for us at the cross and is available to us all. And Jesus goes on, unless he's be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Actually, it means that without the new birth, one cannot understand or comprehend the kingdom of God. And in another way of saying it, you ain't saved if you're not born again. We must be born again. We must come to know Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Of course, Nicodemus goes on. You can read it for yourself at home. You can read all of chapter 3 of John and, and hear this great conversation between the religious leader, Nicodemus, who came to know Christ. And he looks at him, how can I? And, and he asks the question. And he, he, I bet this is a question you might ask. How in the world can you get back into your mother's womb when you're all grown up? And then Jesus goes on and answers that. But the whole thing is here is you must be born again. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It goes on to say in verse 16 that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John um, 5, 8 says, but, but God, so, God so loved the world that, uh, no, I'm... That while we, God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you, it's out of his love that he did this thing. So how can we say there's any other way but through accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross and asking him into our hearts and asking him to forgive us of our sin. Now people don't understand that sin is real. Sin, we, we, we talked about that in the Sunday school this morning. We, we, I read a, a fun article to us and about um, living, what it means to live for God. And uh, we need to understand that sin is real. Sin, sin will uh, mess us up, but because of Jesus, he's more powerful than sin. And by his, when we confess our sins to him, to Jesus, he is faithful, faithful to us. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that cool? And it's by his grace we are saved. It's by his grace. Bobby, we did not, grace means we didn't deserve it, but God gave it to us anyway. We didn't deserve to get saved, but God gave it to us at salvation anyway because of what Jesus has done for us. Again, Listen, folks, our salvation was bought at a great price. Let's, let's fly over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and look at verse 19. He starts out, the Apostle Paul starts out writing here in verse 19, What? By this time, what Paul is saying, you should know. That's why he puts what? It's because by this time, you should know. Now, and the sad thing is, in America, it didn't matter if you were Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, we all understood this. We all knew this information. 
We all, we, that's why we were, called, we were always called a Christian nation. We all knew these facts. In fact, in school, we, were, we might not be taught the verses, but we were taught the rules about them. You know, the golden rule that comes from the Bible. Yeah, you know that thing that we, everybody says that Lincoln said, a house divided against itself cannot, that came from the Bible. Jesus said that first. I mean, we used to teach, we used to actually teach ethics in grade school. Ethics meaning right and wrong. Now everything is gray. And we've grayed everything up so much that people don't understand this, and so now we have, we need to explain it all over again. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it sad? And the Bible says in the last days, according to Amos, the, prophet, the, the book of Amos in the Old Testament, that there would be a famine that comes to the land. And nobody likes famine. You know what famine is. There's no food to eat. There's not enough food to eat, so people starve. They get really hungry. You know? It, it, it would make our meal look like it was the the greatest today's meal looked like it, the greatest meal that anybody's ever put on a table because um, people are starving all around. But that's what a famine is. But Amos says there won't be a famine for food. And we are seeing it today in our own country and in Europe, in, in Canada. We are seeing what Amos says. It won't be a famine of food, but it'll be a famine of the Word of God. Because people don't know the Bible anymore like they once did. Now people get Bibles from grandma or at their confirmation or, or as a Christmas present or a birthday present and they think it's a good luck charm and they put it on a shelf or they put it on a table but they never open it up and read it for themselves. The Bible does you no good unless you crack it open and you read it for yourself. So Paul says, what? You should, in other words, you should know. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you? Actually refers to the human body of the born-again believer as being a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. Wow. You ever think of yourself as a sanctuary? That you are a sanctuary, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? When I was pastoring in Maine, um, I, I met a lady and I knew her pastor really well. And, and we were talking about sin this morning and how in the church there's the top five sins, and one of them being nicotine. Anyway. Sin is anything that gets you away from God, really. And so, she was very pregnant, this lady I knew. Very pregnant. I mean, she was very pregnant. I mean, she was getting ready to give birth in a month. You know, not one of those where she was so pregnant it was any day now, but it was within a month. And she's just there puffing up a storm. Puff, 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 puff. And she says to me, well, Pastor Mark, she didn't understand, Pastor Mark and I were good friends. Pastor Mark says, this is okay for me to do. Well, I wasn't going to question what she was saying about Pastor Mark and say, you're a liar. I would never do that to her. That would be rude. It wasn't necessary. 
because I knew Pastor Mark, so I just let that statement go. But I looked at her because she understood this verse that she's the temple of the Holy Spirit. I said, but is that the type? And she understood biblical things. I'll explain this word in a minute to you. I said, is that the kind of Shekinah glory that you want God to find coming out of your temple? And she goes, oh, drop, squish. I never thought of it that way. Instead of going ahead and saying, no, that's not what Pastor Mark, no, that had nothing to do, I didn't care. I didn't care really that Pastor Mark, I just, is that the kind of Shekinah glory? The Shekinah glory is simple. When Solomon dedicated the temple, God's presence came down as a cloud like it did when they followed the, the, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud as they followed God for 40 years in the desert. Moses and them. Now as years later, Solomon is dedicating the temple and the cloud comes, God in a form of a cloud comes and envelops the temple inside and out. And it was so thick that people couldn't see the beautiful temple that Solomon had built for God. And God's presence came into that place. Shekinah is the Hebrew word for meaning the glory of God. And it appeared as a cloud. Now, isn't that cool? And in our modern day, it happened down in, I believe, Memphis, Tennessee. T.L. Lowry was preaching um, in a big amphitheater because there wasn't a church big enough to hold all the people who wanted to come see the great T.L. Lowry. And it's okay if you don't know who T.L. Lowry is. A lot of people do, but if you don't know, that's okay. He came there to preach, and God used him immensely to get people saved and the miracles that happened. And he never, um, he never took credit for what God did. In fact, um, he just died a few years ago, and he was strong as ever. And with that, he used to have jet black hair. But in his older days, he got that silvery, white hair, so he looked like Charlton Heston as Moses. <laughs> and he preached until the day he died. But that Shekinah glory came into that amphitheater, and he says, and T.L. Lowry says, I didn't do a thing. He says, all I had been doing was praying and praying that God would move and touch the people that night. That it would be Jesus they saw and not him. And so when he came to the amphitheater, he went to walk up to speak. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came in that place so thick that people just got saved and slain in the spirit and healed. And he says, everybody was down on the floor. He didn't, and he says, this cloud came in there. And he says, don't believe me, read the articles about it on the eyewitnesses of the people who were there. See, God still wants to come into our presence. He wants to be in our lives. And Paul says that when we get saved, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where did I leave off? Verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God? Means that it is all of God and must be treated accordingly. 
that our temple is all of God. It belongs to him and should be treated accordingly. And you are not your own, Paul says. We, in other words, we belong to the Lord. And here's the reason. For you are bought with a price. And that price was the shed blood of Christ at Calvary. Therefore, glorify God in your body, the house of the Spirit, and in your spirit, the use of that house, which are God's, because we were created by God and have been purchased at a great price. Wow. I love the word of God. Jesus laid down his life so we could be saved. We owe him everything and we should live it. For we were bought at a price. Oh, my word. Does that mean we always succeed? No. no. Does that mean now we're, because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we're perfect now? No. Does that mean we're going to have friends uh, that will, f and maybe ourselves, that uh, might fail God from time to time? Yes. But that's why we are saved by grace. And that's why we have the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's why when we fail, praise God, he forgives us. Amen. And you know what? I tell this to Bodhi all the time. It's okay to fail as long as you learn from it. Do you know that failure is the greatest teacher ever? Hmm. I'll give you an example out of the Bible. I mean, how, how, how do you learn that seven take away three is four? Unless you accidentally make a mistake and then you correct it. See, you failed understanding seven minus three equals four. So now you go back and correct that. That means you have repented of your thinking and you put a good answer. But I'll give you a better answer. King David was supposed to have gone to war and his general said, no king, it's too dangerous. You're the king. You stay here in the capital city. We'll go to war and we'll send you reports back and you make the corrections from here. Okay, David agreed. I won't go to war this year. You guys go do it. Well, David, because he was kind of lazy and there wasn't much to do, waiting on reports, so I'm going to take a walk around the palace walls. So he goes walking around the palace walls, right? And while he's walking around the palace walls, he looks down and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath on the roof of her house. Now, none of her hot neighbors could see her bathing on the roof of her house because she's on the roof of the house and it was a flat roof with a wall around it. But the king could look down and see her. And he goes to his servant, who is she? As soon as he heard who she was, oh, that's my good friend Uriah's wife. I better, uh, no, uh, she's not single. No, he didn't do that. He says, invite her over here for supper. 
So he invites her over for supper, and he has an affair with her. She gets pregnant, right? And he pulls Uriah back from the battlefield, and he says, Uriah, I brought you back. I need to hear from you. And by the way, if you read the Old Testament, Uriah was a big hero in Israel and one of David's closest friends. If you read the Old Testament, this is what makes it even worse. And so Uriah goes ahead and gives him the report, and he says, I want you to go home and be with your wife. He was hoping he was going to go home and make love to his wife like most soldiers would, you know, because he hasn't seen her for a long time. Nope. He, Uriah was such a good man that he said, because of my, my soldiers under me can't be sleeping with their wife tonight, I'm not going to sleep with my mine. And in fact, I won't be tempted. I'll sleep in the doorway of my house. I won't even sleep inside of my house because my men who are under me can't sleep in their house. Boy, what a, what a noble guy, huh? Most, most wives would be going, honey, I haven't seen you for months. Get in here. Nope, I'm going to do this um, for my men. Okay, you're a principal guy. I, I, it's one of the things I love about you, Uriah. So he doesn't do it. David gets frustrated because now he can't blame Uriah for the baby. Um, what am I going to do now? So he sends a letter by Uriah, by his friend, to the commander of the armies there at the war saying, kill him. Put him in danger, pull the army back from him, let him die. King says, let him die, i got to obey, he's the king, so he does. Now this is a huge failure. David thinks he gets away with it. After a time of mourning, he brings Bathsheba to his house, he marries her, thinking he got away with it, everything's covered up. My word, sounds like today's politics, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you, this is a story you could easily turn on CNN and hear about, right? Well, Nathan the prophet comes in and says, King, um, you did wrong. And David confesses. And I won't go into the whole story of how he got the king to confess. But David confesses that, yep, I did this horrible thing. And, you, and, and Nathan says, you're going to be punished for it. Well, David learned from his mistake because what did he do? He immediately started fasting. He immediately started repenting. He immediately threw himself before God and pleaded with him. And he wrote a whole psalm about it. It's the psalm that says, and take not your Holy Spirit from me, that Paul, I mean, David wrote. He learned from his mistake, and God called David, even though he did this horrible thing, God called David a man after my own heart. You see, God's grace is bigger than our failures. And it's all because of Jesus and what he did on the cross. So how can there be any other way? We, our salvation comes at a great price. Will you surrender your life to the Lord today? Will you allow him to be real in your life? Will you allow this gospel message to be real? Will you accept Jesus into your heart? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you today for the great price that you paid so that we could be saved. Lord, we are so grateful. You went out of your way for us. You didn't have to do this for us. You didn't have to come and die for us, but you loved us so much that you died for us. You died for the people in the Old Testament. You died for the people that were living when you were here on earth, and you died for us, Lord. 
And all we have to do is believe in you and we'll be saved. And for Lord, for us who are saved, Lord, let this, let these verses become even more real and so we can see how much you love us and that you live in us and that we can live as the temple of the Holy Spirit so that we can take up our cross daily and follow you. So that, Lord, we, we can see ourselves as been we, that we've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Oh, Lord, live in us. Live through us. And use us, I pray. And I pray for those who are listening over the internet today. That, Lord, if they don't know you, they'll come to know you as Savior. We praise you in Jesus' name. And in this great auditorium this morning, without nobody looking around, is there anybody here today? Nobody's looking, so you won't be embarrassed. Is there somebody here today that would like to have Jesus into their heart after all that he's done for you? Just lift up your hand. Just lift up your hand. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hand. For the Lord loves you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For those who are listening at home, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I accept everything you have done for me at the cross and in your resurrection. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I will follow you the rest of my life. I thank you for dying for me, Jesus, and for being my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've met that prayer today, welcome home. You're now born again. And let us know about it. Just send us a, just a, drop us a line at um, office at wapitinnewlife.org. Just drop us a line. Or if you're listening on Facebook, just make a comment. And, uh, just all you have to do is say in the comment, save today. We just want to know because we want to be praying for you. And uh, um, we, we've been praying for you, by the way, even though we don't know your name. And so we just think we, we, um, we're glad that we can go ahead and minister to you over the Internet every week. So praise the Lord. And for those who are saved, if you haven't surrendered your whole life over to Jesus yet, what are you waiting for? All it takes is I surrender. All you have to do is say, I surrender all, Lord. And uh, because haven't you learned by now, you can't do it in your own strength. And uh, if you just surrender all to him, you'll find all of a sudden you're able to do things um, through Christ um, because the, that you never thought you could because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Well, we have a wonderful meal here today, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to enjoy that. Um, we will, the ladies.